Um, good to see all of you guys here. My name is Josh, and if you're here with us for the very first time, I just want to say welcome. I'm the preaching pastor here at Living Waters, and we're thankful that you're here. God has brought you here for a specific reason and purpose. We believe that. We've been praying for that all week, and so we, we believe it's no accident that you are here. So welcome. Good to have you here with us. We're going to open our time uh, with a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll dig into the text for the morning. Father, thanks for the morning. God, thank you for these incredible people that are here. Thanks for giving us a great service at 830. God, you're at work here. We believe it. We believe it because your promises are good and true and right. And Lord, we're coming to you this morning in prayer because we have needs. We have needs to hear from your voice. We have needs of encouragement. We have needs of perseverance. In the crazy world that we live in, God, in this year that you have given us, 2020, Lord, we're all a little shaken by what we're experiencing on a day-to-day basis. So God, we need you more than ever. And Lord, your word and your promises are so true and so good for our souls. And Lord, we ask that you would guide us through your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and he had been pulling his hair out with this church. They had been sinful. They had been uh, difficult to pastor. They had been difficult to work with. And it's almost like 1 Corinthians 15 comes into our purview as readers as Paul just kind of hitting a reset button at the end of this letter that has been so hard and so difficult. And he says, let me remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. It's almost like he's doing a reset in a very difficult time. And I think this text and this idea of the gospel is needed very much within our church, within our society. It's been a crazy week. Has it been a crazy week for you? It's been a crazy week. So within the church world, uh, it's always a little crazy at church. There's always counseling happening with our New Art Counseling Ministry. But there, this week, more than most, we've had sin to deal with. Like, like serious sin to work through. And that is a hard thing. Um, we have cultural issues that have risen up. Jacob Allen in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And we're, we're right, it feels like we're right back where we started with our racial conversations Even though our church did three of them this summer under a tent, the gospel and racial reconciliation, seems like we still need to hit another button again, right? And it's burdening. But it's it's the reality of what we have to work through by God's grace. You know, we find ourselves there. And we also have the political um, world that just continues to spit out all of these things, and then your phones are not your friends. Amen? Your phone's just, at some point, you want to throw your phone into water 
But then they've even made those waterproof now, so that's not even really a guarantee. And sometimes you want to throw your phone against the wall, but you paid way too much money for it. So the phones just bring us news at all times, and we are constantly being berated. And I just sense within my own spirit, and within your spirits as well as being your pastor, that your soul needs some rest. Amen? Your soul needs a foundation to stand on. Because where are you going to stand? Because you have all these things that are really important. And I got to ask you this morning, what is the most important thing in your life right now? Because every conversation socially that is happening are time-consuming conversations. You're not having short conversations about some of these things that we're dealing with as a culture. You're having long conversations. Everybody has strong opinions. So therefore, you're dealing with hard things. Where is the foundation for your soul? My argument this morning from the Word of God is going to be this. The gospel is what every Christian needs to be the most important foundation for your life. Amen? More than all the other noises that are seeking to be the most important thing, the gospel message is the thing that we need. So I've been feeling very convicted in my spirit the last three weeks to preach the gospel to you. I just want to preach the gospel to you. And if you're like, if you're a Christian, you're like, Pastor, what are you preaching the gospel to me for? Because Christian, you need the gospel. Amen? You need the gospel. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, you need the gospel. You need to hear it again and again and again because it's the only foundation that will carry you through whatever you're walking through. So the gospel is the only message with the power to change the minds and the hearts of human beings. Nothing else in this world can change the hearts and souls and minds of humans like the gospel. No no other message but the gospel comes with divine favor. The divine favor of God is on the message of the gospel, and it has the power to change. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Um, If we have that verse, we can throw it up. We just read it. For I delivered to you as of what, class? First importance. First importance, what I also received. The gospel is to be the most important thing in the Christian's life. And if the Christian does not have the gospel as the most important thing in their life, you as a Christian need to repent of that and make the gospel first and foremost again. The gospel is to be first. The gospel is not a message that is derived from man. Paul Paul said that very clearly in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. He said that his message was not derived from mankind, but this gospel was from heaven. It was from God. The gospel is the power of God, Romans 1, 16. We can look at that verse as well on the screen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for what? It is the power of God unto salvation. So if you want to know where God's power source lies, it lies within the gospel message. Can I get a witness this morning? The gospel is not 
some extra thing. It is the very power of God to save the sinner. That's amazing. The gospel is also good news. 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24 says the gospel is good news. The gospel is also the starting point of transformation. All right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul said that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The gospel is the place where transformation starts. So, the idea of this topical message this morning is this, that church, for us, prioritizing the gospel is what our souls need. Prioritizing the gospel is what our souls need, and it comes in four different parts, okay? So the gospel comes in four parts. We'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. So yeah, there's the heart of the message. Go to the next slide. Here's what the gospel is in four parts. God, sin, Christ, faith. Okay, I ripped that off from John Piper, so that's not really mine. But can I pretend that it's mine for the morning? Okay, amen. God, sin, Christ, faith. If you're already a Christian, this is the most awesome, beautiful review that you ever get to do. And if you don't know Christ, this is for you in a fresh way, in a new way. And if you do know Christ, this is also training for how to share Christ with that person you're thinking of that doesn't know Jesus yet. God, sin, Christ, faith. So part one, the first part of the gospel is God. You can't begin without God. God starts the gospel. God is the beginning of the gospel, or you could say the gospel starts with God. And, you know, when you start talking about God, you can talk about a million things, right? There's, there's a hundred attributes of who God is. There's a thousand attributes of who God is. You could talk about infinite amounts of things regarding the incommunicable attributes of God, the communicable attributes of God, all these wonderful things. Just for sake of time, we're going to just focus in on one attribute of our God, and that is His holiness. God is holy. If you're going to understand the gospel at all, you have to understand that God is holy. And when the scriptures talk about holiness, they're talking about God's goodness and his power. So it's both his goodness and his power that is talked about when you're talking about God. So let's look at Exodus 15, 11. Let's put that up on the screen. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Our God is not only holy, he's majestic in holiness. Another passage to think about when we're talking about God is Isaiah 6. You can read the first 11 verses of Isaiah 6. It's this picture of the prophet Isaiah in the presence of God, and he sees God high and lifted up, and all of these seraphim, all these amazing angels are all around God's throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah sees the holiness of God, and his response is, woe is me, for I'm unclean. I am, I'm an unclean man, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts, the God of glory. 
So you can see that God's holiness, it's like bright, it's cleansing in its power, it's separate from sin. God's holiness is a force that must be treated with the utmost respect. God's holiness is fierce, people, fierce. Here's why this matters. Um, To illustrate it, I'm going to use a metaphor that's often used in regards to God's holiness, and that is the sun. Okay? The sun. If a person like me, pale-skinned, white guy, right? If I go out in the sun, I had better approach the sun with humility and respect. Can I get a white, pale amen? Yep. Come on now. Yeah. Because the only time I tan is when my freckles connect. That's it. I don't tan any other time. So if I don't come into the presence of the sun, which is good and it's light and it's energy and it's all those things, if I don't come in with respect and humility, bad things are going to happen to me. I'm going to get burned. Those of you who are tan have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But look, all of us, no matter if we are tan or not, we look at the sun full of energy, life-giving But if we got on a NASA rocket ship and we went toward the sun, I don't care if you tan well or you don't tan well, if you get close enough to the sun, you will not only get burned, you will be destroyed and obliterated in a moment. That's a picture of our God. He is holy. He is good. He has goodness. He has power. He has light. He has all of these things. And if you do not approach him appropriately, you will not only be burned, you will be destroyed and sent into hell forever. If you look at our culture today, we we obviously don't understand the gospel. Our culture, the young kids to the middle-aged to the elderly, we have a broad and general disdain for God and His position, His holiness, His righteousness. And our generation, if we do not repent, we will be on the verge of destruction because we look at the holiness of God and we act like it's a play toy. And we will live our short little lives and we will fly into eternity unprepared. See what I'm saying? You can't understand the gospel until you understand God and His holiness. Secondly, the second part of the gospel is not only God, but sin. Part number two is sin. Sin is the bad news of our lives, it's the bad news of the gospel. If God is holy and perfect and righteous, we as sinners, it's bad news for us because every single one of us sins, and sin marks and stains every single one of our lives without exception. The most righteous person in this gym, sin has stained you. And in the midst of that, we that sin separates us from God. So if you're reading your Bible, sin comes to us in different words, right? If you're reading your Bible, you see the word iniquity at times. You see the word transgression at times. And sometimes you still see the common word sin. I just want to break down a couple of those words for you. First of all, sin 
Um, it, it's often called iniquity. The word iniquity in your Bibles, it, it means behavior that is crooked, okay? So if you're cheating somebody, you're lying to somebody, that is a um, iniquity, right? Transgression is breaking trust. So any, if you've transgressed, you've broken a trust. So think of one person setting a contract up with another person, and that contract is agreed upon, and then one party breaks trust with the other party. That is called a transgression. I can smile with that illustration. That's a transgression. But the most common reality of sin is just the word sin, and that means to miss the goal of God's holiness. Sin is to miss the mark. And some of you have heard of this. So missing the mark is Romans 3.23, if we can throw it up. For all have sinned. That's it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has missed the mark of God's holiness. If we're aiming for holiness, we miss it. We miss the mark with our sin. I bought a Daisy Red Rider BB gun. Stand in awe of me, people. Stand in awe of your pastor. I bought a Daisy Red Rider, and I, and I ordered it through Amazon. So you know um, everybody in America is ordering BB guns right now. It's a very high, high demand item. And so it took forever to get in, but we got it in. I unpacked it, and then just what came out of the box? Nostalgia, baby. Nostalgia came out of the box, because I remember my Red Rider when I was a kid, and I pulled it out, and my girls are like, what in the world is that? And I'm like, it's a gun. It's sweet. So we pulled it out, and the girls were kind of puzzled until I put up the concrete blocks on top of one another, and then I put my empty Powerade bottles on the top of said concrete. And then I took aim, and boy, did I still have it. Let me tell you. I went three for three, one, two, three, knocked them all down. Clearly, it's easy to shoot a BB gun from eight, eight feet away, or four feet away, or however far I was. You know, I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of the children, right? So I go, one, two, three, and all the girls are like, whoa, that is awesome. Can I do that? Yes, you can. Single pump, boom, boom, ready to go. And the girls have never shot, you know, a gun before. So they pull the gun. They can't aim. They're aiming with the wrong eye. You know, they're like going left eye. Like, get your right eye there. Left eye. They're like, they're like hugging the gun. They're, they're doing all kinds of like things with the gun. I'm like, be patient, Lord. Give me patience here. And they begin to shoot at the bottles. And they, of course, miss the bottles frequently. And I remember them looking at me just with this puzzled face, like, Dad, what's going on? I said, try again. They miss again. They miss again. They miss again. They look, and they give me the gun, and they say, Dad, the gun is broken. <laughs> and I said, operator error, girls, operator error. But that's an illustration of missing the mark of God. That's what we do with our lives. If God's holiness is the target, we grab the little, little gun called our lives, and we just keep missing, and we keep shooting, and we keep missing, and we keep missing. 
And we exchange God's holiness, his goodness, and his power. And we exchange it, and we twist it as, as sinners. And we begin to say the opposite things that we should say. Instead of saying God is awesome, and God has power, and God is glorious, we begin to say in our sin, I am awesome. I have power. I have goodness. Look at me. The ultimate reality of sin is that it is a perversion of the holiness of our God. It is impossible, and it's, it's comical to watch this play out in our news and in our country today. We have so many humans trying to save other humans apart from Jesus. We have so many people trying to share messages of salvation Apart from Jesus, there are, there, Jesus is not a part of the equation. Listen to me. I have the light. I have the goodness. I have the power. If you listen to me, all will be well. Can I just tell you that man cannot deliver man? Brokenness cannot deliver brokenness. I don't care who's in your life. Social media cannot save us. Can I get an Amen. Men and women who exalt themselves, selfies, selfies don't save anybody. We need Jesus, not sin. That's what we need. If we're going to get saved, we need to see the reality of the gospel, which is God, sin. The third part of the gospel is Christ, Christ. If sin is the bad news of the gospel, Jesus is the good news of the gospel. Jesus comes in and he is the fulfillment of the holiness and the goodness and the power of God. When Jesus entered into human life, he was the pinnacle of God's goodness and power on the earth. If you have read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know what I'm talking about. He is the pinnacle of light. He is the pinnacle of healing. He is the pinnacle of power. And in John 21, verse 25, the apostle said, I suppose that if everything that Jesus said and did were written down in a book, I suppose the whole world could not handle all the books that would be written. Jesus is the good news to our bad news. Can I get a witness? Amen? Come on now. He, he is the good news to our bad news. Jesus is the one who exemplifies the power of God, the holiness of God, the goodness of God, all within one human flesh. And since God is holy and man is broken, Jesus came down and said, these people need a Savior. These people need a Savior. And we need Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, and when he died on that cross, he carried the pompous, arrogant pride and twisted sin of humankind, and he took it right on himself. If we could look at Isaiah 53, verse 5, and just throw that up here, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He is saving sinners, and not only is he doing that, he's resurrecting dead people from the grave. That's what Jesus is doing spiritually. 
John looked at Jesus, and in John chapter 1, verse 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus does what none of us, none of us can do. So this morning, I don't often preach my messages in cemeteries, but I did this morning. I went out to a cemetery, local cemetery here, because I wanted to feel the weight of a couple things. I wanted to feel the weight of death, and I wanted to feel the weight of preaching a sermon to dead people. And you're like, Pastor, you're a little weird. I know, I know, it's a little strange, right? But as I preach, here's what happened. Nobody laughed at my story about the BB gun. Nobody. As I preached with all my heart out, no one came up from the grave and said, what a great word. As I looked over the cemetery, Everybody was dead. You guys, here's the power of Jesus. Jesus does what I can't do. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. Jesus raises us from the dead, and his death on the cross forgives people, rescues people, saves people, and literally resurrects dead people spiritually from the grave. And there will be a day when that cemetery that I preached to this morning, everybody's going to rise. Everybody. And those who believe in Jesus, they'll rise to a resurrection of the just, and those who don't will rise to the resurrection of judgment. People, this world is not all there is. Aren't you glad? Amen? Aren't you glad 2020 isn't the end of the story? Amen? Christ is the Savior. He's the sin bearer. He's the one who died and rose again for us from the dead. Every sinner needs Christ, and Christ loves every sinner who comes to him. Jesus is ready to save you, ready to transform your heart, ready to turn you around if you will drop the pride, confess that you need him, and come to Christ. Jesus loves people. And uh, what needs to change in our society? Hearts need to change. The Bible says hearts need to change. And I don't know about you, but I think I look over our communities and I say, I am so sick and tired. I am so sick and tired of people, organizations, corporations, everybody else looking over our neighborhoods and just dumping on our neighborhoods and saying, whatever. You know what? Corporate America can't fix our neighborhoods. Jesus can fix our neighborhoods. And until Christians wake up to this reality that your neighbor needs Jesus, that husband and that wife across the street, they need Christ. They don't need you. They don't need reformation. They need salvation. Until we realize that, we will continue to spin our wheels. Because when hearts change, families change. When families change, neighborhoods change. I don't care what your color or creed when people start meeting Jesus, things start happening. 
Christ is the good news. So we have God, sin, Christ, and then faith. Faith is the final step. So the gospel involves a response. You have to respond to the gospel. A response from sinners to God, that response is called faith. When you are confronted with the reality of holiness and sin and Christ, you respond in faith. No one is getting into heaven without repentance and faith. Not one person is entering into the gates of heaven without repentance and faith. And in order to have repentance and faith, you have to be humble and broken. Normally, people get saved at their lowest point. Can I get an amen? That's normally when you have to get saved because you're so proud. That was my story. It's the story of many here. But the response is called faith. Romans 5.1, if we could throw that up here. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 1.17 says that the just will live by faith. Faith is a personal response. Let's look at Acts 16, verse 31. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. This is a personal response. Faith is believing. It is a personal decision that you must make. No one else can save you. Your pastor can't save you. I know that is super hard to believe. But your pastor cannot bring you into heaven. Your, your family can't save you. Your religion can't save you. Your church can't save you. Your successful job can't save you. Your accomplishments in sports can't save you. Nothing can save you except when you see God, sin, Christ, and then you believe. You, you respond in faith. And this is the key to seeing things change. Faith is a decision of the mind. Faith is a decision of the mind that reaches down into the heart. And in making up your mind that Jesus did die for your sins, that he did resurrect from the dead, that he is the king of heaven and earth, he can take away your sins if you surrender to him. If you make that choice in here, you are what the Bible calls born again. And when you make that decision of faith, something will flow out of your mind and heart. And it's called eternal life. It's God's holiness. Remember his goodness and his power? That very holiness and power will flow into your soul when you believe in Jesus. And you will be changed, you will be forgiven, you will be transformed. So as we go into communion, I have just a couple questions for you guys this morning. Number one, do you understand the gospel? Do you understand it? I don't want to assume this morning that every person in this gym understands the gospel. Some of you don't understand it yet. Do you understand God, sin, Christ, faith? Do you understand it? Because if you're understanding it, if God's making it click for the first time in your heart, I would encourage you to respond this morning. And it's okay to admit it. It's okay to admit you're sinful. It's okay to admit you're broken. Jesus is ready to take you in. And if you do know Christ, as we go into communion, do, if you do understand the gospel, my question for you Christians is, do you love it? Do you love it? Do you love the old, old story that I just said? 
God send Christ's faith. Is that the delight of your heart? I had a guy this week that was sitting with me um, during a visit. He said, Pastor, I could, he, I could listen to the gospel all day long. I love hearing it. And I said, Amen. That's the heart of a true Christian. A genuine Christian says, bring that old story again. Bring it again and again and again. Let me take joy in my salvation. So if you do know Christ, communion is an opportunity for you to express your gratitude to Jesus for what he's done and to enjoy him and love him. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, this is a perfect time to get saved. This is a perfect time to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you, with your heart, believe that God raised him from the dead. So if you're, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, just don't worry about communion. Just hang out in your chair and meet Jesus for the first time. That'd be great. But if you do know Christ, what we're going to do is I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have this time to go back when you're ready to get the elements. Come back to your chair. We'll sit together and we'll partake. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the gospel. Lord, in a world full of noise and craziness and new discoveries of what we do need to do and what we don't need to do and how we do need to live and how we don't need to live, the gospel is like salve to our wounds. Lord, I pray that even now you would raise the dead, raise people up who don't know Christ, Raise them from the dead and cause them to be saved. And God, in the midst of that, Lord, would you please minister to every believer. As we go through the communion elements, Lord, may this be a special time for Christians to say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Jesus, we love you, we exalt you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.